Welcome back to the next episode of the In Development Podcast. My name is Ryan, and this is the podcast for all of you city builders, city shapers, and city dwellers out there that care about driving change towards people-centered communities. On the podcast, we talk about how Canadian cities develop in and up. We are presented by IDEA, the Infill Development in Edmonton Association, which is a nonprofit education and advocacy group that brings together like-minded people working to shape our city. On our episode today, it's a very special episode. We have... Um, I don't know why I'm being coy about it. If you clicked on the link, you know exactly who it is. It's Mariah Samji. She's the former executive director of the Infill Development in Edmonton Association. She's got two degrees, Bachelor of Education and an after degree in Human Geography and Urban Planning. We talk about that a lot on the podcast, kind of the transition from one to the other. She also did a lot more than just be the executive director. She served for five years on the Edmonton Transit System Advisory Board, five years on her community league board in North Milburn. Um, if you know Mariah, she knows or she you know that she has a passion for small businesses. She loves vibrant people-centered spaces. I follow her on Instagram. If you don't, you definitely should as well. Sorry if it's private, Mariah. Um, but she loves showing off vibrant people-centered spaces. It keeps her motivated to advocate for change in Edmonton. Um, most importantly, and most excitingly, she is uh, soon to be a new mom. Mariah, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me on, Ryan. Not that you could have stopped me, but here I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird, and we talk about this a little bit in the episode, but you uh, were the co-host of this podcast, so it's kind of weird interviewing you or talking to you in kind of this capacity. Is it weird for you? Yeah, I think you and I know each other like very well, so uh, doing an interview back and forth with each other seems odd because I'm like, you already know most of these things. <laughs> Not everything, but most of them for sure. <laughs> I'm glad I surprised you on some things. <laughs> yeah. Um, we get into a lot on the episode. Uh, we talk a lot about idea, but I, I, before we get into the episode, I want to kind of ask you a high level question. Um, what does idea mean to you now that you're kind of on the other side? You started off six years ago with idea, and I just I want to know what it means to you. Yeah. Well, I uh, to say I was green to. Uh, the industry and the association it would be an understatement. Um, but the passion that the people had was what drew me to idea. And the fact that they were focused on creating a city that was welcoming to all different types of people really aligned with my values. I love taking vacations to walkable cities. I wanted to help make Edmonton a more walkable city, give people options, destinations of places to go, places to take their family, uh, whether it's family that's in town, they live with, or coming from out of town. Uh, I wanted to create a space that my future kids would love as much as I do. I love Edmonton. It's given me so much. Uh, but we also lost a lot of people in university to other cities. And I wanted to stop that trend. <laughs> like, stay here. It's awesome. <laughs> Um, and having idea be built on the backs of small businesses, uh, was just like, it felt like it was serendipitous. That's what I love. And so I, at the time when I started with idea, I had a job offer with St. Albert, uh, or with idea. So take the safe route or, or jump off the deep end and man, am I glad I jumped <laughs> Yeah, you're not the only one. I think everybody at Idea probably is. Um, I think that's kind of interesting, though, the the jump off the deep end. It's um, why did you decide to jump off the deep end instead of just taking the um, quote unquote safe route? 
Uh, well, as everyone knows, I really did want to work for Tegan. Uh, and then I met the rest of the board and they were just as passionate and smart and got things done uh, the way that she did. And I couldn't imagine not surrounding myself with those types of people. So it was the board that sold me. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I, we, we could probably just dive into a whole bunch of stuff here, but we should probably just get into the episode. Yeah, before we do that, I know you're going to ask me about advice for students later uh, in the outro. So if anyone is starting up in their career, make sure you listen because I got some good ones. Thanks. Let's get into your episode now. Welcome back to a very special episode of the In Development Podcast. Today, our guest is none other than Mariah Samji. She is the former executive director with IDEA. feels weird saying that. I, I wonder if it feels weird hearing that. Um, she has a background in urban planning, also a background in education, and is it safe to say your entire professional career has been uh, the executive director of IDEA? Yeah, I right out of school, got lucky enough to, <laughs> to land uh, in the idea community. But yeah, thanks for having me on today as one last special episode before uh, you and the next person take over. Yes, let's not give too much of that away. But yeah, so this is a little bit of a different episode. Um, we wanted to honor you a little bit and give you your own kind of episode. I feel like you being, you know, behind the microphone and the camera a lot on this side with me doesn't really highlight everything that you've done for idea or what kind of person that you are. So um, I'm very excited to kind of get to interview you today as weird as that's going to be. So welcome to the show, Mariah. Thanks so much. I think it's going to be very funny for our listeners to hear how you and I uh, talk to each other <laughs> when we're not <laughs> interviewing other people. Yeah, we're really letting you see behind the curtains today for <laughs> sure. So um, I want you to explain how you got to the executive director position first. So I know you went into education and then switched into planning, but wh why, why that switch? Yeah, so um, I come from a family with a bunch of teachers in it. Uh, I was a volunteer teacher for um, anyone who doesn't know my background. I grew up in a very religious household. Uh, so my mom is Christian and my dad is Muslim. Um, and so I was a Muslim teacher for a little bit. And that was really fun. My mom had a daycare. I really love kids. And so education just made sense to me. Uh, and then I went into the classrooms and the kids were the best <laughs> and uh being a part of their learning journey was just like it was such an honor and it was so fun uh and they pushed me and I hopefully pushed them a little and um but as I came close to the end of my degree more and more it started to drive me crazy that our system wasn't built for all different types of families and all different types of kids and our curriculum was headed in a way that I didn't think served our community the best that it could. And so it seemed like there was some system-wide issues that really needed to be rectified. Uh, and as, as important and valuable as you are in a, in a classroom, uh, helping a group of 18 to 30 kids every year for the next 30 to 40 years, um, I wanted to see if there was a way to help 
Edmontonians and, and the kids of our city to grow to be the best versions of themselves. And or it was at that time the U of A was advertising their urban planning program. And I didn't even know that cities were planned at that time. <laughs> I didn't know it was, some, it was even a profession. <laughs> I just thought cities happened. Um, and I had a lot of questions about how our city became what it is uh, and what it was then. And so I got connected with Dr. Summers, one of our former uh, guests on this podcast. If you haven't listened to that episode, go do it. It was awesome. Uh, he is brilliant and just, I feel very lucky to have been in multiple multiple classrooms with him. Um, and I said, hey, I am about to finish a degree. How can I be a part of the planning program? You don't have an after degree or a master's program at the time. And he said, well, we're, we're a new program. A lot of our courses don't have uh, prereqs. And so I said, great, I'm going to take an after degree and human geography and just take all the planning courses. So <laughs> if anyone's looking for a human geographer, do not knock on my door. <laughs> but um, yeah, it led me to this job and to all the great things that I learned in the planning program about how we build cities for all different types of people. Um, and I felt that uh, infill at all different scales of development was missing as an option for people to live in neighborhoods, uh, missing as an option for kids to revitalize neighborhoods. And that's part of my passion for idea and what we get to do. On the very first episode of this podcast, you told the story of how you found this job. You hunted Tegan down. Um, she gave a guest lecture, I think, and you hunted her down and, and she said you should come work for us. Is that how it happened? Yeah. So in my first year of human geography, I took a transit-oriented development course and Tegan was a guest lecturer talking about flex housing. So how a house can grow with you based on your family's needs. And she showed examples of some projects that she had worked on uh, and what the, the city could look like and how development could help uh, help individuals and, and people. And I was just so inspired. And then I forced her to hang out with me for like 40 minutes after class and we like nerded out about city things and then three years later I emailed her saying hey I don't know if you you remember me but I really want to work for you uh we went for coffee and uh serendipitously or however you want to say it uh they were looking for someone to take a chance on the organization as they were hiring their first person and I was looking to work for people who are passionate about Edmonton <laughs> <laughs> and you have that in spades, an idea. Yeah, no kidding. Six years later, you're moving on to a new purpose. Um, I don't want to compare you to my dad when he retired, but I remember when my dad retired, it took him a minute to like, you know, not get still get up at six every morning and, you know, go get the paper and go out to do stuff. How, how is your transition going from full-time executive director to full-time mom? How do you want to describe your, your next role here? Yeah, well, uh, Ryan, you know me very well. I, <laughs> I don't rest very, I don't rest well. <laughs> um, so <laughs> my husband and I went to Montreal literally the, the next day after my last day. And uh, on the plane home, I spent two hours mapping out what my next 
three months would look like and all the things that I wanted to achieve. I bit, my parents have two small businesses, and so I wanted to help them with marketing plans, uh, creating out a content ca- calendar that could be scheduled so that my parents wouldn't have to worry about it, um, helping with their websites, and then getting ready for baby. So I have about four months worth of work to do in the next <laughs> six weeks. <laughs> but I it's part of my DNA. My, both my parents are like that. And I am very grateful for their can do figure it out attitude that's helped me be where I am today. And then after that, I'm trying not to plan what the first few months of baby looks like, because I hear you don't really get to choose what your baby's personality is like, or what they sleep like, or what they eat like, and you just gotta roll with the punches. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Having just gone through it, it's uh, what, how you're describing yourself is likely how your baby's going to be. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a fairly busy guy. My, my wife is fairly busy and we have a very busy daughter. I'm sure that's related. Um, I think the same is going to happen to you. So yeah, I can't wait to interview you in six months and see where you're at. But uh, um, yeah, that's the least shocking thing I think you've ever told me that you're, you know, not actually sitting idle. No. <laughs> uh, in, in the past week, I've been staying up to like 2 a.m. reorganizing our our house uh, and getting up in the morning and putting together marketing plans and content. Uh, but I, I, I get to nap in the middle of the day, which is lovely. <laughs> which is nice. Yeah, there are some perks for sure. Let's, uh, I want to talk about your time with Idea. So, um, I mean, let's, let's start at kind of high level. You had a lot of achievements. You had a lot of wins over the six years um, that you were the executive director. Name some of them. What were, what were some of your biggest uh, biggest achievements in your opinion? Well, I think the foundation that the boards that were part of IDEA before I came on uh, really helped to set things up. They had gone around and built this, this strong community, built strong relationships within the city, um, within community organizations, within the development industry. And so when I walked into IDEA, um, maybe they weren't organized back end wise, but the people that I had to lean on were there and wanted, wanted IDEA to succeed. And I think uh, every year we continue to see our membership grow substantially uh, with the t- same type of people that had the same values. So everyone approaches things differently. Everyone has different skill sets, uh, but consistently everyone gave what they could to make idea what it was, whether it was helping at an event or an example of a project for a zoning change or coming to speak at council. Um, there was like so many things that people did. Uh, and so that it was and is my favorite part of ideas, the amount of generosity that people gave uh, time-wise, skills-wise, um, money, which was very helpful too, uh, to make an organization run. It was very generous. It was very, it was very great. If, if you have a chance to work with an idea member, uh, do, do it. Uh, you will not be disappointed. Do, do you, I'm just going to interrupt you for a sec. Sorry. Do you remember the first time that we met? I do remember the first time that we met. Uh, it was 2019. I was drowning in work. Um, 
Uh, I was out of my mind. I was trying to get married at the same time, pulling off an infill tour, kicking off the education program, uh, and then doing all the other things that IDEA does, uh, sharing out information, going to speak at council, newsletters, all those things. And I desperately needed someone who also shared a passion for education uh, and who had real life experiences and projects. And Chelsea set us up uh, and we met at DOSC and you were all of that. And I was like, what did I do to deserve this? How did this happen? (laughs) Do you remember the first time that we met? Yeah, I mean, uh, for sure. Thank you for the the kind words. I wasn't fishing for compliments there, but I definitely will take it. Uh, I remember uh, like sitting across the table from you and and thinking that we were kind of kindred spirits. Um, I was not, I was in the opposite kind of position. I wasn't drowning, but I I had just kind of started my little fledgling company and I was looking to get more connected and and do more with my time. So um, I volunteered all of it to you. And I think uh, the funny part for me was within like, you know, you talk about, you know, there's lots of people that come to idea and they want to do things and whatever, but you were a high level organizer of everybody and you put people in good positions to succeed. Um, Cause within about a week, uh, all of a sudden you had me on committees. Uh, then you had me uh, be a chair of a committee like two months later. And then all of a sudden I ended up on the board. And before I knew it, like you had like talked me into all of these different roles within idea. So you were very good at putting people in, in, in positions to help both the organization and them individually succeed. So I think you deserve a little bit of credit there. But yeah, as you were talking about the community of idea, it's definitely grown. But enough about that. Let's, let's talk about some of your other achievements. Well, I think, uh, yeah, the community made it all happen. So I like people. I like getting to know them and getting to know what they're passionate about. Uh, and often a lot of the the wins that idea had was uh, so me and someone going for coffee, them sharing um, some of the barriers that they had or obstacles around development, whether it was um, like communication wise, the community's understanding of what infill was, or if it was a zoning issue or a process issue or access to education. Uh, and then uh, we would find a way to utilize their expertise to help solve those problems. And so out of that, um, so many great things happened. We, When I started with IDEA, the goal was to achieve 25% of development being infill. And <laughs> I heard at council multiple times that this was a lofty goal. Uh, it was a stretch goal. <laughs> we weren't going to get there. Uh, other cities were struggling to do it. Um, but they didn't have the idea community was, I think that was the key to everything. And so we're at, I think last year it was 28 or 29% of all development was infill. Uh, and we have a new goal of 50% in city plan and all of our policies have changed. Uh, zones have been tweaked to allow for different types of development, secondary suites, garden suites, uh, they've allowed for a bit more site coverage here or there or changing the step backs. Uh, we're in the middle of rewriting the zoning bylaw renewal with a focus to enable different types of housing. There was so many cool things on that side. But then as idea grew, um, our focus went from 
really looking at small scale infill development to the missing middle and commercial infill, which had a whole different bag of issues. And there were different people that I needed to talk to uh, to help highlight what we could do to bring those projects online, to bring projects to places that people could go and uh, great businesses could access and communities could have the amenities they needed. And a big part of that was infrastructure. (laughs) And someone with an education and planning uh, background understands infrastructure for a bit, but like, that's an engineer's (laughs) conversation. Yeah, we leaned on the right people and idea and in the city and EPCOR. Um, We created the hydrant cost share program. And I know we've talked about it on the podcast. Uh, If you haven't had a chance to read about it, uh, do so. We'll have to ha- you'll have to have someone on to, t- to talk about it on the podcast. But Ryan, you worked on a project that's being built right now that accessed the funds from that cost share program that is going to bring a missing middle project to a community. It just it like makes me so incredibly happy to see how it's evolved and what it has actually supported. People will be able to go and live there. Yeah, it's insane. You'll, when, when you have your baby, you'll be able to take that baby by there and be like, I helped fund that. <laughs> yeah, and I think the relationship with the city and the community in Epcor were a big part of some of those like big wins, whether it was zoning or infrastructure. The EFCL helped review our builder education program. Epcor was so monumental in helping share out information, helping build the cost share program. Um, They even came and spoke at our symposium, (laughs) Uh, the city with all the zoning changes, the cost share program, so many different like events. We did the infill tour with them. And when we're all working towards the goal of making Edmonton the best city it can be, we all have different ways of getting there, but it makes the room a collaborative room instead of pushing back on one another. And I think, well, I've, I've seen it be successful and I appreciate everyone that I've got to work with because of it. No kidding. What about events? I, I don't know what the earlier years were like for events, but uh, they've since evolved to be um, massive and varied. <laughs> massive and varied, definitely. Um, when we started out doing events, Idea did like one big flagship event a year and then a couple small ones. Uh, So we did the infill tour with the city of Edmonton. And the purpose of that was to really showcase to people, what does infill look like? What does it feel like? Let people go inside of it Uh, because there was, there was fear. It was different. And I think it really accomplished that by the the last one we did was 2019. (laughs) Uh, Wonder what happened. And we we got to showcase uh, a garden suite, a single detached home, a row housing project, a commercial project. It was so fun. Um, we did rooftop events to celebrate some of the big wins that we had. We did the symposium last year, which was so fun, bringing out different uh, industry experts and service providers in the city to talk about like trends and uh, different programs and opportunities. But really, events started with Refill with Infill, which uh, I went to school with this girl named Yasmin. Uh, she came up with the event title. I am not great with event t- titles. I was texting a bunch of people saying, please help me find a fun name for a pub night. And so we would do these Refill with Infills every couple months uh, to bring people together. 
to, to help build up the industry's capacity and, and let, get them the opportunity to meet each other. Uh, and then I would entice them with a speaker and say, hey, someone will speak for 20 minutes and then we'll have drinks and it'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> and so we started out with refill with infill. And then by the time I left, it was the symposium. Uh, and now Nicholas and Megan, the new idea team are going to do amazing things this year. I'm very excited for them. But what was your favorite event that I ever forced you to come to? <laughs> uh, big fan of the cornhole tournament for sure. The symposium was great. It was a small team of us that pulled that off, which was insane, but, uh, I think it worked out really well and I can see that being an annual event. So I would say the symposium for sure. What about the podcast? You didn't mention the podcast as a uh, as a big win for you. Before I talk about how amazing the podcast is, the symposium, it was a huge success. I think we had over 80 people come out, five different panels talking about different things. Even some counselors came out to it. But when you say it was a small team, there was three of us. It was a very small team uh, that did all the work leading up to it. Uh, and then... We had great day of people, which like I couldn't be more grateful to them. But like you and Gazal did so much work to help make the symposium possible, and so many of ideas things happen that way. Like we, when the election was going on, we wanted to provide information to as many people as possible. So we put together a section on our website about the election. We contacted all the counselors with a survey to help people understand what their thoughts were about infill. Um, and what direction they wanted to take things in. We went through their websites. We gave them a briefing on, on infill for people who maybe hadn't had the opportunity to learn about it. And that was a small team too. There was, <laughs> uh, I had a great summer student at the time, uh, Gazal again, but then uh, Lindsay and Michelle, who were part of the policy committee, they did an offshoot uh, project all around the election for eight months. And they are amazing writers and way more organized than me. And yeah, like that's just like one example of a thousand of things that we did. And the podcast is like that too. Me, you came to me and you said, let's do a podcast. And I, I pushed you off. I really didn't want to do it. I love helping idea be everything that it was, but I didn't want to talk on a podcast all the time and <laughs> I was like no one wants to listen to me and so <laughs> it probably took you like four or five months to convince me hey there's no no podcast talking about development for Canadian cities this is a, a real void and an opportunity and you were of course right uh, and there was no good reason for us not to do it and so I just had to like suck it up and say okay let's try it like, I'm getting in the way of something cool here. Uh, we created a little task force that came up with the song and the visual identity for it. Uh, even, like, the scripts that we use. <laughs> yeah, it was a ride. Like, I I love the podcast. It's one of the things I miss the most uh, right now. It, it goes back to you, like, um, like you were, you were talking about Lindsay there. Like, you really empowered people to, you know take their good ideas and run with them a little bit. So I definitely 
when I brought the podcast idea to you to begin with, I mean, I'm happy that you kind of told the real story that you weren't really keen on it, but you seemed keen. Like, I think you would have been keen if I would have just run with it, but I was like, I didn't know how to do any of it. And I, I needed support too. So when you circled back eventually and were like, okay, we're going to do it from that point to like releasing our first episode, it was like pedal to the metal and you and I, and a couple other people worked like furiously to get it right. Do you remember those days of like arguing over which shade of blue would have been the right shade for our logo and stuff? Like we got into the minutia as soon as you got kind of the idea or the kind of direction that you wanted to go, you hit the gas pedal and you didn't stop. And I mean, I appreciate that. And I know that a lot of ideas, successes come from like a similar background, like an idea came forward. You thought you, you, you empowered them to kind of take it as far as they wanted, but you also like wrapped around with support. So none of this would have been possible without you for sure. Obviously. I really do like the supporting role. <laughs> yeah. If you had come to me and said, Hey, me and Brett are going to do this. Uh, I would have been like, great. I can't wait. But yes, having you, Sandy, Tara, Haley, Amon, uh, and now Nathalia, uh, Nicholas, Megan, like, it's a dream team of a podcast crew uh, to where we were and to where we are now. But yeah, without all of you, it like, it would definitely would not exist. And if we ever lose, especially Mon, our podcast editor, the greatest editor of all time, <laughs> I don't know what we would do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some are more important than others for sure here. So Mon, please stick around. Uh, you obviously, I just gushed about you, but you must have had some mentors um, throughout the years internally at Idea that helped kind of shape you. You were young and bright eyed and bushy tailed, but not a lot of experience when you joined uh, the role. So maybe talk a little bit about your mentors and, and how they shaped you. Yeah, um, Idea is a great place to try different things. And they're also a very supportive community uh, and they give a lot. So I don't know if there's any president or vice president that wasn't a huge mentor to me. Uh, in the early days, Tegan would spend hours and hours uh, taking me to different meetings, explaining why this, this like really small setback was like a huge issue <laughs> to moving projects forward why a policy change would make a huge difference or why making sure the community was involved uh, would have such long-term lasting effects. And then we had Mick who took over as president after Ty. His fail-forward mentality and honest and doing things together was so fundamental in how IDEA operates and how I try to make sure that we bring people together. Um, no one is more honest than Mick. <laughs> there were times where I'm like, why are you sharing this? <laughs> this is backstage information. <laughs> but it helped people feel at ease. Like he would go to community meetings and do presentations and say, you know what? Sometimes mistakes happen and you, we lose a fence, but there's insurance for that and we'll rebuild it together. And uh, that honest communication was so fundamental to what we did. And Ty, who was my first president, uh, she was very community-oriented. Uh, she helped help me understand that everyone had something to give and to empower people. Spending time with her, you get that vibe from her <laughs> right away. Um, and then Hanny, he brought out community and fun and different types of members uh, and focus on commercial and 
yeah, there's no one more community oriented than Hanny is. And then Ch- Chelsea, she like helped me develop probably the most out of everyone. Not only my like technical skills, but my soft skills around uh, managing time and uh, processes, helping to best explain things to people. She's very thoughtful that way. She's very strategic. She brings out the best in everyone. And so I'm happy that Nicholas, the new executive director, gets to work with her a bit before her term's up because, yeah, not only is she super fun, but so much of ideas, long-term strategies came from her and <laughs> and her seeing a, a problem on a project and saying, this is going to be a citywide issue. Let's take a time to uh, examine why this is an issue. Let's bring everyone together. And then she would step back and say, you know what, this is you've got the right team. And I learned that skill from her is you bring everyone together, take a step back and, <laughs> and go fight the next problem and let, let that, that new team take over. <laughs> yeah. Put the right team together. What about, uh, what about outside of idea mentors, people that made a big impact? Yeah. I think the biggest person outside of my parents or my husband is this woman named Lee. Uh, we, we volunteered on a community league together for five years and there's no other way to say it she is a ball buster (laughs) she (laughs) she takes didn't take shit from anyone she's so funny uh but she follows through on things she's passionate about her community she gets involved in elections uh in flood mitigation and development talks uh she she's one of my favorite people of all time and every time her and I get on the phone or go for drinks together we half the time we're talking about Edmonton and politics and then my parents the service mentality and the small business mentality comes from them they're they bring community together and bring out the best in people and they had that can-do attitude of when I interviewed with idea and they asked like do you know how to update a website I was like I don't, but I I will figure it out. That is very much my parents. (laughs) Uh, And then, yeah, my husband, he's organized and his spelling and grammar is impeccable. (laughs) And he's read so many draft idea newsletters, (laughs) making sure that it it says the correct thing instead of, uh, I'm sure if you went back into ideas, newsletters from the first year or two. Ugh. (laughs) <laughs> it's rough for a little bit <laughs> uh, at the Sayonara Sam G event was that one of the bingo spaces the Grammarly that you love Grammarly uh, it must have been because that has been a game changer in my life I literally remember in like grade two or three I was like why can't it just in real time tell me if I'm doing this wrong like why can't it just like underline like no this is spelled wrong this is how you spell it <laughs> you write something you take it to your teacher they review it then they give it back to you and they're like this is spelled wrong and then you have to go look it up i was like this is not a good learning process time consuming yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now smarter people in tech have figured that out yeah somebody beat you to that million dollar idea <laughs> now uh i know whenever i've left a job previously there was like a small part of me that like 
in some cases, a larger part of me, that hope that the organization would just absolutely crumble, that I was like the key cog holding that entire machine up. And inevitably that never happened. But um, I'm, I'm curious to hear where you kind of want, think, and hope that idea is going to go beyond Samji as the executive director. In my first year of idea, the board said, uh, the best case scenario for idea is that we work ourselves out of being needed. Mm. I've always taken that mentality of, wouldn't it be great if we solved all the problems and then redevelopment and mature and establish neighborhoods just had all the amenities people needed at all different price points. And yeah, it was just fabulous. You could move around however you wanted. You could visit things that you needed. You'd go to the doctors, go grab a croissant after and go to a bookstore. All the great things. But I, I think it's probably... A couple of decades off. <laughs> Maybe it's earlier. <laughs> Hopefully it's earlier. <laughs> Cities are growing organisms. <laughs> and so um, to do all of those things, to have those communities that serve those kids that uh, I originally got to got the privilege of being in a classroom with, so many things need to happen. Like public infrastructure needs to be addressed. The way we address infrastructure and pay for it needs to be addressed, uh, how the province is involved and how the city is involved uh, and making sure that it works for all the different types of people. That was uh, one of the big wins of the hydrant cost share program was it worked for EPCOR, it worked for the city, it worked for industry, it worked for community. And to take that mindset of it needs to work for everyone, uh, it sometimes takes a little bit longer or it just takes a lot of in-depth collaboration and monthly meetings. <laughs> and so I know that there's a drive to work on uh, missing middle and large site redevelopment and processes and infrastructure, and public infrastructure and transportation. And not only that, but grow the organization and, and its membership. Uh, so I'm hoping and I think I'm not even hopeful I know when I come back, <laughs> the organization will look and feel a little different, uh, but in the best way. So I'm I'm excited to see what happens after 17 months. Yeah, no kidding. Me too. It's uh, I mean, you left it in a good in a good spot. Um, you hired two very good replacements. So we'll see. Two last questions before I let you go. Six years in an organization, you learn a lot. What did you not know at the start? What do you wish you knew at the start of it going into it that you didn't know that you know now? Oh, volunteer management. (laughs) (laughs) Herding cats? (laughs) Everyone is passionate. Everyone has different skills, but everyone also has different capacity. And so um, anyone who is an executive director or working with different volunteers, they need to find a system that works for their group. Um, to be as successful as possible. And so when I came to IDEA, uh, there was a few people working on a bunch of policy changes that were happening. IDEA was getting like 40 reports a year asking for comments and feedback on, on different process changes and zoning changes. And when you have a board of 12 small businesses, small kids, and uh, a couple of people who had the capacity for it, like they were getting burnt out fast. And so we had to build up the policy committee. That was the first committee that we ever started. And at the beginning, I was so excited to bring people on. 
you heard it in your your story as soon as you told me you had capacity and you were excited. I was like, perfect. I have seven tasks for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it took me a while to figure out how to identify people's skills and passions um, and how they would best fit into an organization. And also uh, as people's capacity in life changes, like we had amazing people that decided to go back to school for a master's or got pregnant or got a new job, got the opportunity to move to a different city. Life changes, life happens, and you need to create space for people to give what they can, uh, but also come back when they need to leave for a bit. We went from one committee to nine committees <laughs> that was very unmanageable. The board very astutely at one of our strategic planning sessions was like, this is insanity. Uh, we're spreading ourselves too thin. Let's make it manageable and bring more people together. Because it also feels good when you're volunteering with people. Uh, not only do you get the wins uh, and you show that your work has value, but you also get to talk to other people and hang out with other people. And so learning that took a couple of years. Um, one of the things I miss a lot about idea uh, and I'm sure they'll kick up back soon is they call it, we call it idea fest. So once a month we bring all the volunteers down to uh, our office and I do a monthly wrap of like new members, uh, different wins, different projects we were working on. And then the different committees would like go off into different areas of the office and like work on whatever for 45 minutes. Then we'd come back and there was always like snacks and drinks. But it was the, those moments where people got to learn from each other, got to share tips or tricks or, or failures or barriers for different projects. Uh, and so many good ideas came out of those meetings. And that was a handy initiative to bring IDFS online, bring everyone together and that's the community in him. Uh, and I, I think it was really successful. And I believe they're going to do it once a quarter now. Uh, but it's up to, it's up to them. <laughs> They'll do great things, whatever they, however they structure it. Yeah. I, I used to love, I used to love idea fest, uh, mostly because of the snacks they were always different and they were always good. Um, but it was a chance to see, it was like a mini AGM almost every single month that we would get like a report of where everything was at, for those of us that didn't see you or talk to you as often, that, that would kind of like be a, a chance to talk to you, which was really important. Um, the board sometimes showed up or often showed up. They, so you got a chance to interact with them and then just interacting with other people that, you know, every single time at IdeaFest, it felt like there was new members there, which was awesome. And I'm sure they felt kind of welcomed and integrated right away when they were given 20 tasks on that first day. <laughs> Yeah, they, people didn't know. They were like, hey, I'm interested in volu with, uh, volunteering with ideas. Is there any opportunities? I was like, I have 7,000 projects. Which one do you want to be a part of? <laughs> oh, I have opportunities. Yeah. <laughs> uh, favorite, uh, do you have any like uh, kind of stories um, that are kind of last with you for a long time that you want to share? Yes, I have. I have two that come to mind right away. So I'll, I'll do them as fast as, as possible. But when secondary suites became permissible all throughout the city, we talked about how do we want to celebrate this? Because we do all this great work uh, and then it's on to the next one. And so we decided to do a, throw a rooftop party. Um, one of the great things about our members, uh, they would often donate spaces. So 
Ivan from Belgium. He has this amazing project uh, just off white with micro suites and he let us use their like, the rooftop space. Um, and we had this amazing landscaping company come and talk about like different cool landscaping things that they were doing. But we got to celebrate that that win all together, which was really nice. And this was, I don't know, 2018, I think. Uh, our events committee wasn't as robust then. I was focused on, on policy. And I had a member, Tom, from Urban Sky. He came up to me in that event and was like, hey, I think you need a box of event things <laughs> like napkins and plates and uh, and name tags and all the things. Uh, and he wasn't volunteering on that committee. He didn't know where it was at. Um, but there were so many moments like that where people would just come up to me, whether I asked for help or whether they just saw a way to help. And he was like, hey, <laughs> take this box. It will make your life easier. Uh, and that was, yeah, I've always thought back to that and just so grateful for Tom, to Tom for that. And then there was another time uh, where there's this woman from uh, Epcor, her name was Betty, and Ke- uh, Kelly from the city of Edmonton. We worked together on the uh, Hydrant Cost program. And when we started the conversations, nobody thought we could find a solution uh, that would work. Um, there wasn't something that we could kind of model it after. We had... We had millions and millions of dollars of a problem, an unknown amount of dollars of a problem, uh, and different organizations that worked at different speeds. (laughs) Uh, And and so um, we were told a few times that this seemed like an impossible task. But Kelly and Betty are unbelievably amazing at their jobs uh they're calm and thoughtful and they bring the right people into the rooms and by the time that we had put together the like the qualifications for the cost share program uh done a bunch of testing uh with smarter people than me jason and david uh from epcor huge shout out to them um and then worked it with the other uh, development organizations uh, to see if it worked for them as well. And then took it to council. It was this, it was a solution that would allow projects to move forward. Uh, and it was something that council was, uh, was willing and excited to support and EPCOR was willing and able to find money to, to make it happen. And it became, instead of developers paying 100% uh, for a shared infrastructure cost, it became a, a responsibility of not only the development community, but the entire city. And I think Kelly, Betty, and I went for coffee after, and it was just, we did it in just over a year uh, with lots of amazing volunteers, Nick, Don, uh, Amanda, Doug, so many great people. But it was that working together uh, collaboration that really... It made it happen, and I'm so grateful, grateful for that to them, and to honestly, I like I could name 50 other volunteers off of the top of my head that <laughs> have made things happen. Yeah. Um. So co to idea events really is what people should know, uh, so they can meet these people in real life. Yeah. <laughs> and get, get to work with them. <laughs> yes, I think that's a good place to um 
As you know, we end each episode with a call to action from our guests. I can't let you off the hook. What's your call to action? One thing that has made my life so much better in the past six years is working and interacting with the info community, uh, whether they're a community member, a professional member, or a developer builder. They all have the passion and the drive to make Edmonton a great place that creates spaces for lots of different types of people uh, and makes our communities more vibrant, walkable, and and really fun. Um, and so if you have the chance, sign up for the newsletter, listen to the podcast, go to an event, work with one of the amazing companies that helps make idea possible. Uh, our membership list is public, so go check out all of the cool people uh, that work and support uh, idea because they're just stand up. They're just fun. They're passionate. They're the best. <laughs> just get to know someone in an idea. Um, there's a bunch of public emails to email the company uh, or the person and ask for a coffee. Uh, no one in idea is not willing to go for a coffee with you. That is fantastic. This was you know, bittersweet a little bit. Uh, I know you're going to take a break from all of this for a while, um, but I like we built something kind of nice here, and I'm going to miss you. So it, I, I'm appreciative that I got the chance to uh, to I guess interview you here, and I know our paths are going to cross again. So I just want to say thank you for coming on this episode and kind of sharing your story and and everything about idea. Oh, thank you, Ryan. I the education program, which as you know, over seventy companies have gone through. Um, and that gets to expedite people's permits wouldn't be a thing without you. The podcast wouldn't be a thing without you. The symposium wouldn't have happened. Uh, so many projects we got to work together on. I do think you and I are, are good friends. <laughs> We're cut from the same cloth in so many ways. Um, and I'm going to miss doing these episodes with you. So thanks so much for having me on today. Yeah. Thanks, Mariah. What a wonderful conversation. Did you feel it? <laughs> I always have a great time talking to you, Ryan. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, I mean, like we joked about a bunch, this was kind of weird. Uh, you know, I like I was joking with you, I really underestimated how much I depended on you to kind of help lead this this whole thing. So being kind of in charge of all the questions was a little bit challenging for me. But I thought you carried yourself uh, just as well as you always do as co-host. Did it feel weird for you? Well, it was actually really nice. I am going to miss doing the podcast so much. It was one of my favorite things about Idea. I know I fought you a lot at the beginning. I'm just doing it in general. <laughs> but if you literally, because uh, we would record at least like once, maybe twice a week, it became my favorite thing. So yeah, you'll do other cool things with the next co-host and I'll listen in. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, I want to ask you a few questions. First, would you prefer that I sing uh, Michelle Branch, Goodbye to You, or Sarah McLaughlin's I Will Remember You as we go to this outro? Oh my gosh, you cannot sing I Will Remember You. I will actually start crying. It is like a grad song. <laughs> that like hit, hits home. I don't know why. <laughs> Was that your graduation song? No, it was, uh, so you know my mom's from a small town, and one of my cousins uh, had their grad in that town, and it was like, 
75 people in her in their graduating class and they decorated the gym beautifully and we went to like go help the kids set up and i just remember how beautiful it was and then they were like playing all the songs uh like to get the (laughs) set the mood and like test the av system and i was just like this is the graduation song forever just like became the theme song to graduation for me (laughs) oh that's funny i have a I have a different memory of that song. I had a roommate that every time he took the trash out, he would sing that to the trash. <laughs> so like, I have a way different experience with that. It's not as emotional for me. <laughs> oh, I want to be friends with your ex-roommate. He sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, he was a good time. He was a good time. He really made sure that garbage felt good on the way out. Um, you have likely a story that is worth following for other people yeah, that started in your position. So students, you were a student coming out of university and you jumped right into uh, executive director role, which like we talked about in the intro was a little bit of a dive into the deep end, but I wanted to maybe start here and give you an opportunity to give any students listening some advice um, based on your experience. Yeah. So my first thing that I like to tell students uh, and any student that ever contacted me while I was working at IDEA, I would 100% go for coffee with them. So if you're a student and you like someone in the industry or uh, or in the public work system, like message them on LinkedIn or find their email. Uh, ask them to go for a coffee. They will definitely make time for you. That's one of the best things about Edmonton is everyone has 20 minutes for, for someone else to help our city become better. And then the other things that you should definitely do as you're getting into your career is volunteer. Uh, So Dr. Summers told me to volunteer for whatever I could. And so I got on my community league. I made amazing friends there, learned about what they have to go through and what resources they have uh, and their processes. It it made me really appreciate uh, what community leagues do for Edmonton uh, and gave me background on like how tough they have it really so when we're asking so much of them as planners uh, we need to be cognizant of that Um, and then also like there's a ton of advisory boards that you can volunteer for they're always looking for students ideas always looking for volunteers Uh, get involved you'll get to meet great people that way Uh, a great free way to do networking and a little less intimidating is going to public hearings or open houses there is always planners there, and uh, they will answer your questions. They're super lovely. Uh, I did that a lot when I was a student, and I would stick around to the end and help them clean <laughs> clean up <laughs> just so I could get a few more minutes of, like, one-on-one time. And then there's a few newsletters besides Ideas Newsletter that you can read. Uh, so Taproot has a great newsletter. They do, like, a municipal roundup every week. It's freaking awesome. Uh, And then Situate, one of our uh, idea member companies, uh, they do a newsletter called Zone In, and it talks about what happened at council, what got approved, what didn't, and those are fabulous. Um, Yeah, and then you could get a job with a member, put out your resume that way. Uh, But there is a job that I did while I was in university that you should definitely apply to if you can. Uh, I was a food server at the U of A hospital. Their shifts are three hours, 4.30 to 7.30. It was great. You could study after. They pay really well. And it was right on campus. 
Uh, so if you, if you can get into that union, I highly recommend it as a student. That's all very good advice. Was that your first job? Uh, no. <laughs> the family with small businesses. I have been working since I was like 10. <laughs> uh, my parents had a daycare. And so uh, I helped my mom a lot there. And then I was a babysitter for a long time. My parents had a restaurant. Uh, so I worked all my summers at the restaurant in Nisku. Had great cinnamon buns that were fresh every day and learned to mop terribly. My, <laughs> my mom was just like, you're so bad at this job. Um, and then got the job at the hospital and worked there for eight years. And the, the people who worked there were amazing. Um, not only the people you got to work with, but the, like my bosses were really great. Shout out to Tom and Andrea, if they're still there at the hospital, they were just wonderful to work for. Um, what was the conversation like when you handed your parents your two weeks notice? Cause you went to work for the hospital. Awkward dinner conversations after that or what? No, one of the, uh, kids that my mom babysat for their grandma, uh, was running like the hiring committee at the hospital and she was in desperate need of someone. And so she asked my mom if I would be interested. So <laughs> I got the, I got the application from my mom. <laughs> so no hard feelings. Okay. That's good. You are about to be a mom. I'm going to name some famous TV moms here that I know you know of. And I want you to tell me which one of them you're more likely to be. Okay. Uh, June George. So Mrs. George from Mean Girls. Uh, Claire Dunphy from Modern Family. And Lorelai Gilmore from Gilmore Girls. Oh, probably uh, uh, Claire from Modern Family. She got involved in their community. <laughs> she was very interested in the speed limits in her community. She ran for city council. Um, yeah, I think very busy all the time. I don't think I am maybe not as brave as Lorelai sometimes. Okay. And not as quick-witted. Uh, and definitely not a cool mom. <laughs> so <laughs> strike that out right away. <laughs> Yeah, your parents obviously shaped a big uh, part of who you are, but I'm wondering what uh, what what you're going to pass on to uh, to your little one. Uh, well, I hope that I embarrass her and I'm too in her life for the first bit. Uh, I hope that she, whatever she wants to do, she does it with her all, uh, and that she finds her passion, and I can help foster it in any way possible. I want to exposure to as many things as possible. I am not athletic at all. Um, but my dad taught me how to throw a football and uh, how to swing a sh like straight way in golf and how to hold the <laughs> golf club. <laughs> do, do I know anything more about golf or football than that? No, I listened to Rihanna's halftime show and I did not watch the, the Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, but as many basics as, as possible so that she can find her passion and and do whatever she wants and does it well. Yeah, I really hope that in 18 years or whenever she she gets involved with idea and we can have kind of a generational thing going on here. You are, for all intents and purposes, gone for the next 18 months. I'm sure we'll see you around and um, I'm not sure where or how, but you're still going to be involved. But I'm wondering um, if you can predict a few things for the next 18 months um, citywide uh, things. So first of all, well, I guess I should ask for consent first. Do you feel like predicting something in the next 18 months? 
Sure. We'll see. See if I'm right. I'm not a very good better, but right. <laughs> we'll see. Well, you know, I'm going to hold you to this. Okay. So the first, are the Oilers going to win the Stanley Cup in the next two years? Yes. Oh, great answer. <laughs> Can you name somebody that is going to be on a top 40 under 40 list? That's hopefully also an idea member in the next two years. Oh, I think Hanny Barzagard really deserves it. What he does for the community um, and the food bank. The food bank is really near and dear to my heart. I think they do amazing things for the city. And Hanny and his family and his company do amazing things with them. So I'm rooting for him. Nice. Yeah. I, I think that's a fairly obvious choice too. Um, how many episodes of the podcast are, are we going to be at when you get, when you come back? Oh, so I left at 18 months. This is what, 17 months left? Mm-hmm. 17 times two, you're testing my pregnancy brain. Uh, <laughs> so that's 14 plus 20, uh, 34. And in case anyone's listening out there, uh, new math does resonate with me. I don't think it resonates with most people, but <laughs> new math does resonate with me. So I, I would predict 32 episodes probably. 32 episodes until you're back? More. More than 32. Okay. No, sorry. Um, so uh, whatever we're at now, plus 32. Plus 32. 32 from here. Yeah, I think we're on 30 or so. So about 60, 65 episodes. Um, what episode are you going to make your triumphant return on as a guest? 64. <laughs> oh, I love it. I First one back. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to ask because everybody uh, cares about it, but uh, what are your top baby names right now? Honestly, uh, my husband and I cannot agree on anything. So <laughs> if anyone has good baby names, please. Uh, my Instagram actually is open. It's not private. You can send me baby names all day long. <laughs> Help me narrow it down. Flood her DMs with baby names. My wife and I were the same way. Once we found one that we agreed on and we like stuck to it, but it took us forever to get there. So yeah, I wonder if that's common. Probably. I... I just like we watch movies and then we watch all the credits and we're like, do you like this name? Do you like that name? (laughs) Oh, that's a good way of doing it, actually. Yeah. My wife and I had an app. I think I told you about it. We had an app where it was like, it was kind of like Tinder. You would swipe left and right for names that you liked. She would do, and our accounts were linked. So if we swiped the same direction on a name that we liked, it would come up and then we would like debate it. Um, but inevitably we didn't end up picking any name off from that app, but it got us started. So I think it would be fun. Yeah. It was a good way to spend a Saturday night for sure. Um, (laughs) final thoughts, final opportunities. I know I gave you your opportunity to uh, do a call to action, but is there anything kind of niggling in you that you would really like to say to listeners? Yeah. For small scale infill and the new upcoming zoning bylaw, I would love to see rear attached garages. I think we're a winter city and uh, there are women with strollers and heels, uh, not just me, but definitely including me that would love to, to be able to attach their garage in the house. Um, for Missing Middle, I'd love if we could find a way to have an infrastructure fund uh, so it's predictable for Edmontonians uh, and our industry and the city to be able to rebuild our infrastructure as we rebuild our communities. Um, and I'd love if people got more involved in different citywide planning discussions. So sign up to different newsletters, listen to city council. Uh, Your voice is really important. So um, if you think that sending an email doesn't actually land somewhere, I promise you there are so many passionate people reading those emails. Uh, Tell them what you think about bike lanes, dog parks, 
commercial spaces, um, whether you support or don't support, that's your lived experience uh, and you should share it. So get involved in our city. I love it. I, I'm happy that you went a little bit self-serving at the start there and then uh, and then stuck with some <laughs> idea messaging at the end. Very good. Very good. Um, I'm going to give you the opportunity to give the final shout out. Oh, I actually met this fantastic person right before uh, I took my leave. His name is Keaton. Uh, he is very passionate about city building and he's working on some really cool projects. Uh, you'll have to watch, sign up to Ideas Newsletter and see what he does in the next little bit. Um, but thank you so much to, for reaching out, Keaton, for to going for a coffee date with me and sharing a bagel with me uh, and for listening to the podcast. Yeah. Thanks for listening, Keaton. I know he's on episode uh, 23, I think, right now. I just had lunch with him today and he says he's a big fan, so I know he's going to hear this. So good message. Um, this is kind of sad and bittersweet, but thank you for being a podcast co-host with me and believing in this podcast to this point and allowing us to, to kind of get to 30 episodes deep or whatever we're at now. And I hope you're right that in 18 months, we're still going strong. I know we have an exciting new podcast co-host coming in. Um, we're going to introduce her in the next episode. I'm very excited about her. It obviously is not going to be the same as our dynamic here, but I'm, I'm still very excited. So yeah, I just wanted to kind of close off by saying thank you for for everything you've done for for me and for the podcast. So, oh, thanks, thanks so much for everything that you've done for Idea. Uh, Ideas built on volunteers, and you've definitely been one of my go to people that I've reached out to as we kick off initiatives over the past few years since we've known each other. I will see you at a really cool commercial space. Maybe Poppy in my future whatever her name is can <laughs> hang out with you <laughs> can't wait yeah <laughs> yeah can't wait okay take care of yourself see you around.